addicted, exhibiting a compulsive, chronic, physiological, or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity, strongly inclined to do, use, or indulge in something repeatedly. No one strives to wake up as an addict, a junkie, or a drug dealer. These aren't life ambitions or goals that people set out to have. There are things that happen to each of us that mold us, that influence our decisions, that mark us either for greatness or for tragedy. There's a history as old as mankind that depicts just how susceptible we all are as humans to our basic needs and wants. The allure of drugs, of forgetting who we are for just a moment, of losing ourselves to the wonderlust of a high-induced cloud, to walling ourselves off from our own personal hells, can be the overwhelming emotions as humans that lead us into the despair and spiral of addiction. This series explores the history, the emotional battles, the pain, and the successes that come from our human history of addiction. Welcome to Episode 2 of Addicted, Brown Sugar and the White Lady, the history of morphine and heroin, those in the grip of a strong drug, heroin, devil grass, true love often find themselves trying to maintain a precarious balance between secrecy and ecstasy as they walk the tightrope of their lives. Keeping one's balance on a tightrope is difficult under the soberest of circumstances. Doing so while in a state of delirium is all but impossible. Stephen King, Wizard and Glass We covered the history of opium in the previous episode, so now we are going to dive further down the rabbit hole, chasing the line of addiction from our historical past into the present-day opioid crisis. We left off with the changes occurring in society after the heavy use of opium had infiltrated many homes across the world. This epidemic wasn't a problem just in the Eastern world but had now become a full-blown epidemic in the Western world as well. The late 1800s would bring to market an even worse narcotic than opium. It would introduce us to morphine, and from morphine, we would find ourselves dealing with the abuse and negative societal impacts from a drug we know today called heroin. It all began with German scientist Frederick Saturner in 1803, Saturner was the first scientist who was able to isolate morphine from the opium itself. His discovery was the foundation for the narcotic known as morphine, which in its new form was a potent painkiller. By isolating the morphine, he had figured out that this was the key to the actual narcotic element of opium. What Sir Turner would also learn is that by isolating morphine on its own, the drug was actually 10 times stronger than opium. 
The demand for the new painkiller intensified during the Civil War. By the end of the war, nearly 400,000 soldiers would leave the battlefield with a raging morphine addiction. While a potent painkiller, the drug was also exceedingly addictive, causing many users of the narcotic to become dependent on the opioid, even more so than they had on opium. Doctors would prescribe the narcotic to many patients over the early years of utilizing morphine in the medical field. Over time, however, as science developed and understanding of how the human body would become dependent upon the compounds within morphine, the drug would slowly start to fall out of favor within the medical world. It was now clear by the second half of the 19th century that morphine was an exceedingly addictive medication and if a patient continued with its usage, they most certainly would become full-blown addicts to this miracle cure. In 1874, an English chemist named Alder Wright first refined heroin from its morphine base. His findings would forever change the world. Unfortunately, it would not be for the betterment. The compound he discovered displayed many of the pain-relieving effects of morphine, but at first glance it did not seem to cause the dependency upon the medication the same way that morphine did. It was thought that this new drug could be a safer replacement for morphine. The drug would later be known as heroin. Morphine would lead to the development and be the core basis for many prescription narcotic painkillers such as codeine, fentanyl, methadone, hydrocodone or Vicodin, hydromorphine, dilated, meperidine or Demerol, oxycodone, Percocet or Oxycontin. Morphine had single-handedly paved the way for heroin to become the world's newest miracle cure. It would bring forth the creation and widespread use of a drug most of us are very aware of. Where opium use began to dwindle, the new miracle began to sink its fangs into the veins of an unsuspecting population. That drug was diacetylmorphine, better known by its brand name, heroin. Addiction doesn't care who you are or where you come from, only if it can get its hooks down deep into your skin and hold you there. Heroin's addiction into the susceptible population's medicine cabinets would show the ugly side of the pharmaceutical industry. It would show that there is no such thing as a miracle drug. And in the end, our society's addiction to substance abuse would become a full-blown epidemic to which we are still in the midst of to this day. It began with the discovery in 1874 by English researcher C.R. Wright, who first developed the new miracle drug by boiling morphine on his stove. What was created was diacetylmorphine, or heroin, as we will refer to it from here on out. While Wright may have been the originator of the chemical creation of the compound we now know to be heroin, the credit for the discovery is more often given to the German chemist Henrik Dresser, who made the discovery more widely known in 1895 as he worked for the Bayer Pharmaceutical Company. Bayer. Yes, this is in fact that Bayer Pain Relief Company we all know of today would be the first pharmaceutical company to actually sell diacetylmorphine 
under their company name of heroin. It would turn out that heroin is not the street name of the drug, but is the original name given to it by the Bayer Drug Company in 1898. While Bayer no longer is the producer of the narcotic, the name is still used to refer to diacetylmorphine to this day. Like many pharmaceutical companies, both past and present, 1898 would bring the announcement from the Bayer Company of Germany that they had found a substitute for morphine, and so the company marketed heroin as a pain reliever, stating that unlike morphine, heroin was without the addictive side effects. In fact, they marketed the drug as a non-addictive medication to treat ailments such as coughs, chest pains, and pain associated with the debilitating cough of tuberculosis, which was very much rampant throughout much of the United States at the time. Heroin was most often sold in a kit form over the counter to everyday people. The kit would even come with the syringe, similar to the administration of it today. Not only was heroin seen as a safe cough medicine of sorts, it was also used to treat and eliminate morphine addiction. However, while it did not steer people away from the exceedingly addictive popularity of morphine, it would turn out that Bayer's miracle drug wasn't much different than morphine. After all, if anything, it was proven to be even more addictive than morphine and opium had ever been. And as we have seen previously, the opium epidemic had a new mistress, and her name was brown sugar, a drug that has now taken millions and millions of lives across the world. She was a drug that started out as a simple cough medicine that would go on to change the face of the world for those over the next century. Bayer would go on to advertise their brand new cure-all, liquid heroin as the best cure for your child's bronchitis. Literally, the drug known as heroin was given to young children as regular over-the-counter cough medicine in the late 1800s and early 1900s. The same as we would give our children or even ourselves NyQuil nowadays. The idea that this drug could be anything but toxic had never crossed the pharmaceutical giant's minds. Tuberculosis was killing one in four people during this time, and Bayer had managed to come up with a cure for respiratory ailments, all while morphine and codeine were still being used as primary treatments for random, non-related ailments, such as diarrhea, insomnia, psychosis, pneumonia, alcoholism, and yes, women's ailments. Heroin and other generic forms of the drug were being marketed to families across the world as the best treatment for pain and cough relief. What they didn't tell people is that long-term use or abuse of the drug would most certainly leave people completely addicted to it, far more so than even morphine and opium had been previous to its entrance into medicine cabinets of everyday people. It wasn't until far later when the understanding of opioid dependence would enter the mainstream lexicon before anyone really realized the darkness that lingered within the miracle drug's amber depths. 
While the motives of Bayer may have been innocent at the time of heroin's creation, its repercussions would reverberate across decades up into modern day times. Heroin is the prime example of the concept that just because we can do something, perhaps, just maybe, we shouldn't do something. Not all inventions or discoveries benefit men and women and children. Some slowly seek to ravage us from the inside out. Heroin is a prime example of that reasoning. Most people, myself included, never realize that heroin, the drug that we are all told never to inject into our susceptible veins, was once given to children across America to treat congestion and the soreness that comes from coughing. It's a history that most pharmaceutical companies want to forget, it seems. We, however, will not let them forget, as they must be reminded of the plague that they helped to bring across humanity. It seems that the first drug dealers of heroin weren't street sellers at all. It was in fact a company who, to this day, still markets itself as a pain relief company. How much pain did they inflict upon society over the last hundred years, however? Many lives have been lost to this so-called miracle cure. The answer is pretty simple math, it turns out. It's millions. Over 96,700 people die from drug overdoses in a year. Opioids are a factor in 7 out of every 10 overdose deaths. Drug overdoses in total have killed almost a million people since 1999. No one willingly took a drug that they thought was addictive. As far as the general public was aware, heroin was safe enough for children. It truly couldn't possibly have a bad side. Society's denial on the machinations of heroin were broken wide open, however, by the work of journalists such as Samuel Hopkins Adams, who would go on to write an expose series, The Great American Fraud. The series would show the world that heroin was not such a miracle after all. In fact, the drug was a killer, pure and simple. Unlike nowadays, there were not many laws in place around the abuse of substances. If a person was addicted to an opioid such as morphine, all they would have to do was take their initial prescription back to their doctor and they would immediately be given a refill on the highly addictive medication. There weren't any regulations around the refilling of narcotic substances in those times. The article written by journalist Samuel Hopkins Adams would be the thing that would finally get the authorities' attention. And for the first time, there was actual recognition given towards the very side effects of the abuse of opioid-type drugs such as morphine and heroin. The expose would go on to lead towards the founding of the Federal Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA as it's most commonly referred to. It would become the FDA's responsibility to assess, regulate, and control the distribution of addictive narcotics such as alcohol, tobacco, opioids, cocaine, and other such drugs. They would also become responsible for consumer disclosures such as nutrition facts and ingredient disclosures for all foods and beverages within the United States. 
These initial ideas would go to shape federal policy for the last hundred plus years. The Harrison Narcotic Tax Act was passed in the United States in 1914. The act was a means to try and control the sale of heroin and other opiates. The law would require doctors and pharmacists and those prescribed opioid-type drugs to register with the government and pay a tax. In 1922, the United States Congress would also decide to make judicial and sweeping changes to the laws around the purchase and distribution of substances that were deemed to be highly addictive and dangerous. The change would go on to increase the maximum penalty for violating the law. In 1923, the U.S. Treasury Department's Narcotics Division would take a further step against the epidemic that was emerging due to purchase and abuse of these substances. In 1923, the U.S. Treasury Department Narcotics Division would take a further step against the epidemic that was emerging due to the purchase and abuse of these substances. The law was set in place that would ban the sale of legal narcotics. 1924 would finally see the end of heroin prescriptions being issued by medical professionals as an act was put into place in an effort to protect the general public. That act was known as the Heroin Act, which made the manufacturing and possession of heroin illegal. It would also go on to force addicts to illegally purchase heroin from drug dealers on the streets no longer under the watchful eyes of medical professionals. In the 1930s, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics was created. They were created in an effort to curb the black market sales of heroin into the United States public. What was unfortunate is that heroin would continue to be smuggled from overseas and still sold in large black markets within the U.S. While heroin was no longer being prescribed to patients as a cough suppressant and miracle drug, its abuse didn't dwindle. It just went underground. Drugs would be smuggled into the U.S. from Asian markets. It would then be sold on the streets to addicts who no longer could obtain the drug legally. Insidiously, heroin would creep its way into modern times. Its addictive qualities, well known by now, but its amber depths still as enticing to many would-be victims as it had ever been. While pharmaceutical companies no longer tout heroin as a miracle drug, now they found other highly addictive opioids that are still legal, such as Oxycontin and fentanyl, to espouse upon the ill-prepared public. Their modus operandi has not changed. These pharmaceutical companies pimp out their new drugs to cure new ailments each and every day. Getting people addicted to drugs turned out to be pretty lucrative for them. The symptoms of heroin abuse go as such. Flushed skin, small pupils, watery eyes, runny nose, itching skin, drowsy or relaxed, Heroin and morphine's roots were in the pharmaceutical industry, and the drugs were introduced to the general public during a time when the idea of miracle drugs still existed. 
the pharmaceutical industry would open the door to a pandemic greater than any physical ailment has ever impacted humanity. To this day, only a handful of pharmaceutical players have ever been charged for their complicit additions to the opioid epidemic crisis. Purdue Pharma, the creators and marketers of the drug known as OxyContin, have recently been held accountable in a court of law, but their victim list is vast and still growing. A small few who have been impacted by the crimes committed against humanity by the Purdue Pharmaceutical Company are now being given a chance for justice, but it isn't enough. Purdue Pharma has the blood of millions on their hands. We can only hope that over time, more and more of these drug dealers hiding behind fancy desks will be held accountable for their parts in making the world a darker and more addicted place. We will tackle the history of Oxycontin further in our episode, Taking the Blues, A History of the Oxy Epidemic. If you or someone you know is suffering from drug addiction and would like to seek substance abuse help, please reach out to the SAMHSA hotline at one 800 662-4357